Estás escuchando Behind the Entertainment. So what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Entertainment. I am Nano, and with me always, DJ LM, Leo Morales, Jorge Salgado, DJ Bilal, Alberto Guerrero, DJ Gandhi, DJ King Arthur, Pablo Martinez, Nelson Fernandez, DJ X-Men. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Shimmy McHugh. How's it going, Shimmy? Good, good, good. How's it going? Going pretty well, going pretty well. <laughs> so the reason we brought you here today is because we know that you're one of the... Uh, Uh, prominent people in the nightlife industry in Puerto Rico. And before we get started with the more current uh, questions and, and, and things going on in the, in the industry, we want to get to know you first. So how did you get started in the nightlife industry? <clears throat> um, I was bartending, actually. So I started young. <laughs> when, when I started, you could still drink at 19 in New York. So I was a promoter in New York. And then um, I went to college in Boston. And then in Boston, I got a bartending gig at a really cool, like the top club, which was called M80. And um, that, that was like, that was like the first club that did this whole international crowd, Latinos, Europeans, and basically no Americans. Um, and from there, I met a lot, uh, like a, Bunch two, of Puerto two Puerto Rican girls. They had a, a Venezuelan roommate. She was leaving for the summer and they asked me if I wanted to, to uh, take her room in, in, in her place. And I was like, ah, okay. And uh, <laughs> from that point on, I just met everybody from Puerto Rico. And then they took me, I threw one party in Puerto Rico and I, I never left. <laughs> so where are you from naturally? New York. I'm a New Yorker. All right. But you have like your family, your mom is from... The Philippines. My yeah. mom's from the Philippines. My dad's uh, Irish. Irish American. Yeah, right. Yep. Where was that uh, that first party you threw here in Port, uh, over there in Puerto Rico? Um, it was called the Christmas Extravaganza, and it was at Amadeus at the Hotel San Juan. Mm -hmm. so yeah. That was like the, the the beginnings of what we know now as Brava, right? Yep. Exactly. So I actually worked for that that. I worked as a promoter there. I came here as a promoter. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, humble beginnings. And, uh, but to give you a good idea of how things have changed. So we made like $8,800 at the door, charging $10, $10 at the door. I don't think we even see those numbers at the door anymore, ever. You know, it's, it's crazy. And you, that was like here in Puerto Rico, right? In those parties? Right? Yeah. Say, say what, Gandhi? That's like 30 years ago, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, oh, God. like 20 years, like 20 something years ago. <laughs> no, no, Gandhi's 25. I, th I think Gandhi's pretty close. <laughs> well, I remember, nice. I remember those days because I used to, when you used to come to do those parties, I used to work for Music Express, um, DJ company and effect company. And I, I remember um, when I met you in front of the door of Amadeus. So I was going to put some fireworks that you, you, before those type of parties that you took, you, you were famous for at the beginning. It was yeah. a, a party with a lot of like things going on, like a schedule, like people in Puerto Rico weren't used to those type of parties. So It was a, like a very top-notch, nice crowd. 
most of it, like most of the crowd was um, like college, like people that went out uh, to the United States to study for, you know, in college. And they came back for school and they came back like summer and Christmas is like the huge parties from for the college crowds. So yeah, um, I, hmm? during COVID, I was cleaning out the, the college and I found the uh, my closet and I found the first guest list. And it was like the who's who of Puerto Rico when I saw the last names. It was impressive. I was sending you pictures, right? Some yeah, 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 yeah. I have some, I have some, yeah. And, and uh, you found the, you, you, um, but you, so found, you, found CDs. The, you found the guesses from the first party in Amadeus? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And then I remember during the pandemic, you were sending me, like, you found some pictures of um, the, some, you, you showed me the CDs. You used to do CDs like the One World Collection. And, yeah. and you're like, hey, you want these? <laughs> I'm going to throw them out. It's like they, a lot of them. Yeah. So um, I remember that. You know, like you, you were the people like when you came here with promoting and all that, you were like something different and you made the difference. And one of, I, I, I can say that, you know, I, I worked that night for, I think I, I did the Pyros and you were like, I had a CK hat, a, a Calvin Klein hat, and you're like, hey, nice hat. That's how we met. <laughs> So, so I um, I remember I started going every weekend for the parties like um, because they you used to like contract Music Express for effects so I used to start going and I used to go with Carlos Cobian to college so you you were like you know testing all these people but that was after I think when you got here it was Abdullah and Orlin right Abdullah and Orlin Abdullah was the DJ Orlin mm -hmm. got the sponsorship and then we came. For Christmas or just a little, it was January 4. Mm -hmm. they, the club gave us a Monday night, January 4, to make a party. That was the only night they would give us. Uh, and nobody was really promoting parties, to, mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, then we came in March, and then we came in June, and we never left in June. And then and then Carlos Cobian became DJ Aladdin, and he was our, our first employee, basically. Yeah, I remember. I, so I used to hang out with... with um, Carlos and, and I, Carlos Cobian and I, uh, DJ Aladdin from Ibiza, he, we went to school together. So when we were DJs and we knew each other because we were mobile DJs. So he, he asked me to, to go with him because you, you had, he had a, how you call it? Uh, um, they were going to test him how to, how he spins. How, what's the word? Um, una trial? A trial, yeah. He, he, he was having a trial and he was like nervous and he's like, oh, I have a, a, a trial tonight. There's this other guy, Pedro Zambrana, and I think Ivan Robles. They're testing all these people. So can, would you go with me? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. So I was like, I remember the first tryout of Carlos before becoming like the DJ Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that was like for us and for our age and our group, in social hangouts, he was a superstar. Like, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I he killed it. He killed, yeah, it. he killed it. He killed it. He had he, he had a line girl. He had a line out the DJ booth with all the girls waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Carlos, you know, obviously he had the looks, whatever, but he also had the personality. He was a uh, life of the party. He was very good at keeping people entertained and stuff like that. He had, you know, he was oh, the uh, fun. Appar uh, apparently, he still is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this. They're it's lining up on his Saturday night, whatever DJ gigs now. It's like crazy. 
It is pretty crazy. So, so, so would, you, would you probably post-pandemic do a, like a remember Amadeus with DJ Aladdin, the whole uh, old school crew and bring back all those days? What do you think? I know Jorge knows I'm not big into doing anything in the past. Like, yeah. it has never <laughs> been my thing, you know? I, I, I just, I just like just the reunion parties. I do them. If I do them, it's because Astrid or Jorge or whatever. But for me, I never, that's not something that I like to, uh, um, I like to do. Jimmy, for me, uh, to, to change the subject a little bit, uh, I'm a, bit, I'm a really good, uh, good fan of yours. Um, I really follow you like everywhere because you are a, you are a, a sample to follow because I'm a bartender. I'm a gamer too. And what you did, for being a bartender and being an icon in Puerto Rico of uh, who you are, you know, you 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 made a lot of this yeah, like here, I, 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 business here. Person, and I like yeah. So, for me, I got a question for you. I oh, I also in the future probably or ne probably next year, I want to open my business like a bar a bar a bar a gaming bar business. And from year from the first day you open your uh, your business to the day to day. What was the worst mistake that you ever made? I mean, there's so many yeah, bad You make mistakes. a lot of mistakes, of course, but what was the worst that you said, Pablo, <laughs> if you're going to open a business, don't do this. Don't put JC to sing in your birthday. <laughs> oh, no, what? Oh, don't put JC to sing in your birthday. You almost break your, your, your head against the, the pole. <laughs> But that was later. That was later. Um, <laughs> hey, you can edit this. You can edit. Pablo's referring to the rookie mistakes. Yeah, Pablo, I, I can give you one. Never hire a girl. But I'm actually not talking about rookie mistakes because we all make rookie mistakes. I'm, I'm talking about the mistake that changed the way everything was for you before, before you know, maybe, maybe it started going down or whatever. Maybe you make a mistake that changed everything in the path you were going. So that's what I, mean, I, I, I can I can give you two, but one was, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'll say it like this: in the beginning, we were just getting wasted. I was just getting wasted. Like you know, I'm sure Carlos has like some animosity to me because I didn't have a problem going to the DJ booth It and messing everything up. You know. Uh, So, you know, like, but, and the, the truth is we had a lot of success with the parties, but when we operated the venues as owners, we never made money. So, you know, it, it was a free for all of people stealing left and right and stuff. <clears throat> and then I think, um, you know, I'll open up, you know, I, I, it was like, and when you're doing this business it's day and night, like you, you, you're promoting, there was no social media. So I was handing out the flyers myself, you know, uh, bringing the people, uh, calling people, all that stuff to just get, get things going. And I remember one night I was just exhausted. And it was like this, this, this night that I was like, you know what, this is one of those nights that I understand why these guys do drugs, like <laughs> other owners, because I just didn't want to even go and Red Bull wasn't in, in, invented yet. And I said, you know what, you know, obviously I didn't do any drugs. I just went, I didn't drink. Um, and then I think I stopped drinking for about 10 years, probably, you know, and then, and then until the, the thing made money. Remember my, my shots used to be diet Coke with nothing in it, or it was like all fake drinks. Like it was, 
it looked like tequila, but it wasn't tequila, you know, that type of stuff. So it was like, um, yeah, maybe it wasn't that long, but I just remember starting to drink. I mean, not maybe I had one or two drinks, but not like, like I was doing before. Um, and Leo experienced some of the, the wrath of my drunkenness. <laughs> <laughs> once or twice, maybe once or twice. <laughs> you know, I don't remember, I don't remember seeing you like drunk like that. No, that's what I'm saying. I never, I never got wasted. I never, but no, I mean, I used to drink. No, but I think it was after 2009, I started to drink again or, or try to enjoy more, but now my body can only handle like once or twice a month drinking or whatever. So, but that was the whole thing. You can't, if you, it's either a business or you're just going to be playing around. But the truth is if you're the owner and the drunk guy at the party, most likely it's not going to work out. Yeah, so that that's why. Well, this is a part. But this is this is it has to do with that. That's why I never I never drank when I worked as a manager there, because it's yeah. the, as a DJ, it happened to me as a DJ because we party. You know, like we learn how to party hard with you yeah. guys, with the owners, with other DJs. The shots were coming all the time because I remember Abdullah, and you guys. You were always like, hey, you, the DJs have to be partying. To make people party part of the party so yeah, why, exactly so I, that's why it was like the best job at the beginning uh any dj i was a mobile dj at the beginning and go to a club to work as a you know like a dj and then having all you, the the owners partying with you and bringing you shots it's like shit this is the job <laughs> and i was like 17 years old so uh I, I understand why you it's not the same thing when you start as starting as a manager than when you're dealing with so much liquor. I didn't want to know about liquor, you know, like because that's why you're working with. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, it's so, a typical so cliche of don't get high on your own supply, don't get high on the party, because mm -hmm. it, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And then the, the other thing would be I would have we never we actually didn't hire an accountant like full time. And maybe we didn't need it, but we didn't even have a, a good part-time one. I would have taken an, on an accountant early, just part-time, you know, uh, just that would have clearly helped us uh, mm -hmm. with somebody watching closely more than numbers type of thing. All right. So, Thank you. You were going to ask yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I actually don't think I know the answer to this question, even though it's talked to me a million times. When you went to college, what, what you went to study what exactly? Alcohol. Uh, <laughs> alcohol management alcohol management yeah that sounds about right no i'm just curious if 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 no, I, studied, uh, <laughs> i studied uh marketing and finance okay so, at Northeastern. so when when you were studying that that you had a you had a vision in mind of what you wanted and you kind of fell into this industry or was this nightlife stuff something you always were interested in also because a lot of people, I mean, it happens to different people in different ways. Sometimes you fall into it. Sometimes you're, but I think most of the time people kind of fall into nightlife and you just. Yeah. So I fell, I fell, I fell back into it. Yep. That's true. So what happened was I saw that movie, Wall Street. I wanted to be Bud Fox. I wanted to be a stockbroker, <laughs> all that stuff. And then I, I got a, I got a job and uh, I hated the people I worked around. I hated the, the philosophy because I did retail as it, yep. retail trading was is like you just sell 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 and you, nobody knows if it's going to make money you know you could be with the best firm but you know you, nobody knows um 
And I, I hated it. And then I, I worked there for two years. And then I said, you know what? Oh, and what happened was, you know, uh, I'm, I really enjoyed bartending. So then I started to bartend on the weekends again, because it was like, you know, it's just a great way to socialize and meet people and, and, make, and money. make money instead of spending money in the clubs. That's right. Exactly. And then, um, and then I just, I, I couldn't take it anymore. The stress of the stress and the people at the, at the company, I didn't like it. I told my mom, I'm quitting. I'm going to like, think about it. I bartended. Uh, and then, um, and then I started to promote and we were successful promoting in Boston, but then we were a little bit too successful and they were trying to shut us down. They were playing like really dirty. The other, other promoters clubs. was that the competition, the promoters. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they would call the police, the fire department, all that stuff. Um, wow. And then came and did that party in Puerto Rico. And then when I got to Puerto Rico, I, I can honestly say, uh, and my two, my two roommates gave me such a clear picture, you know, of, of the, what was going on in the island. They're like, hey, Saturday we go here, Sunday we go here, like Sundays we go to Shannon's, we go back to Shannon's on Wednesday, you know, like how people hang out and where they go and then why they go. And then that whole why, um, I saw that I could make it better, that type of thing, you know, um, and nightclubs back then only played uh, New York house. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like what we know, like what we used to, well, like tribal, like, which are, you know, the tribal style, that, that type of Coco Leo house that was like, yeah. <laughs> But they also, but they're also, they were also playing like freestyle still, like a new version of whatever. Mm -hmm. I just remember saying to myself, and then, you know, you could see that the island wasn't feeling it. That's like a New York thing and it wasn't an island thing. And then it was, we, we, we just came up and we would play anything in the nightclub from Shakira, Mana to, uh, you know, it was, we did open format before it was even cool. We got so much. Uh, you know, shit, if I can say it, but you know, we got so much shit from other DJs because we were doing open format. We didn't necessarily mix. We didn't even stay, you know, we were, we would be at, you know, this RPMs and just completely go to like a different level and a cut, you know, and we still do it, mm -hmm. but then everyone was calling us machete or DJs. Yeah, <laughs> no, I remember going with Carlos Cobian to D to vice on records in, in, in Plaza Las Americas, um, and when we we always went together, and and that was like when we get in, it was like the gossip. Everybody would would, would like shut, right? And then I, I learned that they they always when you know we were the hot place in Ibiza in those we were starting, and they were making fun of how we DJ or especially how Carlos DJ because. In the 80s, in the 80s and the club era, the, the club here in the house was like, it was a, like a strong movement, like how, and people are used to like, you know, like go to a club to dance and to, to hear these long mixes of perfect mixed beat uh, mixes of house. And then we come, we do whatever we want. Like the Bud Bunny record, we do whatever, when, you know, what we want, whatever yep. we feel, and 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 we did we, we did it. Yeah, and that's what made that's what made it so fun and free, and people loved it, you know. And then it's and immediately, like it wasn't 
we weren't so focused on on the dancing. We wanted to get you to sing. That was like another trick that we had. It's like if we can get you to sing, mm-hmm. and then turn down the the music and hear you sing, it felt like a concert almost. Mm-hmm. We I remember to make that effect. Abdullah, rest in peace. One of your ex partners, you know the the one that brought the. This is a it's a podcast, so so they, we have to tell like Abdullah this and that because people imagine it also. So um, I remember he um Abdullah had uh, he did he put a mic in the center of the dance floor mm. with a cable, a mic, a microphone, and he yeah. he he recorded the party and. And in, he did a mix in the rec- in the record in the recording he did in the mix whatever he he put that open mic in the center of the dance floor, and the re- you could hear or feel in the mix in the CDs or whatever he brought. Like I've said, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was live. It was live, and you could hear people screaming, people dancing, people, and you 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 heard that record recordings, and you thought you were in the club. Yeah, like. Uh heard the Mana and Vivo CDs that you heard the people in the background so it mm. had that type of chanting vibe. That's exactly it. Makes it makes more, more, more energy. It was like a very good vibe from the beginning. So, Jimmy, you started as a promoter in Amadeus and then you became owner of Amadeus? That's a... Um, no, so we... we We had every, they wouldn't give us, oh, they gave us every Friday uh, for that summer, but then they wouldn't give us more nights. And then another club called Skydance in Old San Juan gave us all three nights. And we basically like promoted there. But then, you know, it was kind of owned by, I think it was a (laughs) drug dealer or whatever. (laughs) It was just, we couldn't, you know, it was one of these things, you know, like you promote it, they think you own it. They think you can do something about the bad service that you can do something about you know, people waiting online, um, the air conditioning and all that stuff. And then every everywhere where we did events, nobody could get a drink. We could warn the owners and say, you need more bartenders. You need to carry more of this, whatever. They wouldn't listen. Then everybody gets there and they're, they're sweating. They can't get a drink, all that stuff. And then it, and it leaves uh, the customers like so upset. So um, we said, we're going to have to leave. Um, and then La Concha, the the club there was empty and uh, we had done maybe Noche San Juan parties and stuff there. Um, And they said, listen, we can, this nightclub has a sound system. You can decorate it. The hotels are going to close. It's owned by the government. Um, We'll give you a a 90 day notice. Um, So no deposit, no nothing. And um, you own it. And the rent was seven grand, I think, included electricity. And that was the first time we owned our own nightclub. And it was like a walk-in deal, and then they didn't close that club till three years later. What was the name of it? Ibiza. Oh, that was Ibiza. Okay. Ibiza. Yeah. And then we used to call it was Mikonos before, and then it it, it turned into Ibiza. Yeah. So Chip, how many years after that Red came in? So about about a year and a half later the convention center side, they weren't booking any more conventions because they were going to close the hotel. So that was empty. And then we said, okay, we'll take this. uh, You know, we were watching the political environment that we knew there would stay open for another year. So we took the convention center and turned that into a huge club, huge, like five rooms. Nobody had ever seen it before. It's 
it's probably one of the most impressive nightclubs yeah. at the time. Red, yeah. Red was really something, honestly. It was way, I think it was really ambitious and it was it was like a, it was like it a was, main. It was it was really big and the the dance floor area was very cool, but then you also had the cigar bar and you had the pool tables and you had it was it was it was such an you had like 25 square feet, right? 25,000 square feet. It was huge. I don't remember exactly, but so the it was called Red because it was it was the fall of communism. We were like toasting the communism. The themes, every room was after a communi communist city so or, or country. So there was the China room, the Moscow room, the Cuban cigar room, um, some other stuff and every every room had a theme and people could just go to each room and and you know chill and meet people and we we were doing over two thousand people or more a, a, a night over was there huge place i remember those huge lines in the plazoleta of the old convention center you have two two doors the vip in one side there was a huge line and the other one was like three times the line the the, yeah. the size Jorge or Jimmy, uh, what was the main difference between Ibiza and Red, like concept-wise? So, I mean, uh, Ibiza was a small, the theme about Ibiza was, it was kind of like that it's bar that turned into a nightclub. Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a transition bar, cozy, you knew your bartender, you knew your drink, all that stuff. And then Red was more of a trip of like taking you somewhere else, you know, and it was, Each room had a theme. I think some rooms had different music. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know. I remember uh, there was, in red, there was a bar at the back part that they had. That's where, where Flavio and Jorge Ramos started doing parties. And we had, like, electronic music, like EDM. Well, it was more, they had, like, their crowd. You had, you had different crowds hanging in the same place. Because That's it was how huge. huge it was. Mm -hmm. It was enormous. The place was did, enormous. It was. Did any of you guys play there? Yeah. 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 That's, why, that's where Lee Leo became a DJ. That's correct. He used to be my lineman. Oh man! I played high, okay. high school parties with my first parties there. I used to play with. Yeah, uh, you know who Ariel Aviles used to DJ ah, with me on oh, Fridays right. there. Oh, I was, was the, the high school parties there in Red. For Ariel what? and you were what guy? Yeah, I was a uh, high school promoter. Okay. When Red Republica, our People's Society, all those. So yeah, Republica, Ariel, and I think his friend Rafi. They they, they had this, those parties back there. Sí, Rafi Rizari. Rafi Rizari. Rafi Rizari. Yeah. And I ended up playing a couple of those parties. I, I was the light guy sometimes also, and that was like the first time I actually got to DJ for real. And it was in an amazing venue and a huge and it's kind of scary to be honest with you, intimidating who place. Would, who would get the billing for those parties was always Bilal, but you know what, Jimmy? I, I we were talking about this like a few months ago, I think, about the how um Leo, how how he became like a club DJ. <laughs> and I remember I I used to do it on purpose. Um, he used to practice in, he used to come in during the day. We used to buy records and go and, and do maintenance for the equipment, whatever. So he used to practice a lot. So I knew he had it already. So I, every time I, I would, wanted to go to the bathroom, I said like, hey, Leo, mira. I left, a, remember in those times, we used to, we mixed with records. Vinyl, and, yeah. and the turntables were on top of rubbers, like rubber bands. 
and yeah, it was yeah. we we were on top. The DJ booth was on top of uh, like a, one of the huge base of the club, so it was it, it was a challenge to DJ there and to mix because we're you have to be used to that. Like and and it's like with your fingers because of the rubbers. You know, it, it would it would be a mess if you if you whatever you do, it would be you would do like the mess. Like everybody would notice. So um, I remember going to the bathroom and staying like watching Leo from the bathroom and then I didn't come back. Yeah, because he so the trick was, here's the thing, here's the thing. I used to have like two or three go-to records. The records I knew how to mix because there was a few vinyl. So I had like three or four of my favorite ones and I'd go and I'd play the same thing. And then after a while, him and Nelson did this to me too. They would leave and not come back and I'd run out of music and I have to figure out to play other stuff. And then little by little, you start getting, you know, the confidence to say, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I can do this. But, we, but, you know, per- but the, first, the first few times I was shitting bricks. The first few times I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Because the club is packed. Everybody's staring at the DJ and I'm not really the DJ yet. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. They're throwing you to the wolves. Yes, they did. And uh, But it worked. It worked. I, I, I oh, swam. To, I was to able to swim. Agree. To some Actually, degree, did you ever DJ? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Yeah. He played a I little. Yeah. Okay. You killed <laughs> Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Killed uh, And I, I, I had my special life program on and off, on and off. <laughs> At least you, when you would play, you would, you would mix it up. Uh, some of the other Is owners that? used to have the same. They used to mix it up, used to play different things. Some, some of the other owners used to come out, always play the same goddamn song. But I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I heard Nelson cracking a laugh. What was that about? So, to some degree, Shimi is in, uh, responsible for Leo's beginnings. As no, true. Oh, wait. So, here's an interesting story. I remember I worked at I worked at Ibiza as a light guy for about, well, I guess Red opened 1997. Uh, a year. No, no, but it was like a, uh, when I started working there, it was Red just started opening. It had just opened. I was working there for like six, seven months at least. And I'd seen Jimmy a million times. And every time I would go to pick up my checks, he'd walk by me. He's like, can I help you? What are you looking for? You're like, what are you doing? I'm like, Jimmy, I, I work for you. Like, I'm <laughs> like, oh, he did this to me all the time. He just, he couldn't remember who the hell I was for some reason. He was Because you didn't have a CK hat. Uh, oh, but that might have been what it was. But don't, don't feel special. I, I have worse stories than that. I'm sure you do. No, I'm sure you the do. accountant, Vanessa, our accountant, that I saw every day during the day for like a, two years. I was, we were in Area 51. She comes walking down this, the stairs. I'm like, oh, hello, who are you? She's like, I work for you. I'm your accountant. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So, hello? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. So, You started in Amadeus, then when did uh, Ibiza and Red? So when was it that Amadeus made the change to Babylon? Hold on, no, no. You said you start. He started in Ibiza, then he did Red, okay, okay. and then it was Babylon. So how? Yeah, actually, how, Area 51 in the middle, right? Well, I was after Babylon had already started. Well, después. It's a it's a it's a complicated mix. It has has had so many venues. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's St. Mick's around there too. <laughs> yeah, true. so there's St. Mick's Area 51, but so Babylon Brava, Babylon slash Brava. Um, so what happened was when we left 
Amadeus. It was, I think it was like La Mega or some promoter got in the business, but started to advertise by radio. And it brought a lot of people, but also they didn't control the crowd. And they had some like really huge, scary, either fights or almost like shootings or something in the, in the hotel. Oh. And it was like a few weeks in a row. And I think, um, you know, I think the, the hotel, the GM at the time or whatever. They closed it, right? Yeah, they basically said, hey, we're going to buy you out. We just don't. We just don't want a nightclub here, you know, and it was like a, a the the two owners there, very famous guys. Uh, Jorge, uh, it was a a great designer, the designer that did the hotel, El Conquistador. Fernando Rosselló. Rosselló, right? Yeah, he did Rosselló. He did uh, El El San Juan Hotel, El Conquistador, Vanderbilt, La Concha. He's an icon, you know. So this was just a sideline business for him. And then he had a partner, Fernando, um, and um, you know they just they just they left it, you know. But I always admire them because I always thank them because they they you know they were really good about how they treated me and 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 let me have that opportunity. So the hotel when they left, the hotel was like, who was that guy that you know, or that group that like Did packed it with the crowd that we want, and then they came looked for us and uh, uh here's a good story so um pablo i'll, I'll tell you this because it, it, we're kind of going through this moment right now if you want to open your own place <clears throat> so you know landlords don't don't want empty places if you have an empty place it, it costs you money you don't get your rent you don't get anything whatever and um especially at hotels it just looks bad to walk by an empty space <clears throat> Um, so they were, they, they, they said, listen, you know, if you, you can have this place for six months, if you clean up the crowd, you can buy, you know, you can buy it and we'll give you a long-term contract. So I was like, yeah, we'll clean it up. We'll, we'll kick ass or whatever. So we did. And then on the sixth month, they were like, okay, you want to buy it? And we're, I was just like with the empty box. It's like, I ain't got no money. <laughs> no one's going to lend me money. Nobody will lend a nightclub money or whatever. But you want basically like $250,000 at the time, back then or whatever. Um, <clears throat> we're paying, at the time we were paying 7,000 rent. I said, listen, we'll pay you 12,000. You basically finance it and it's a win-win for both. And you have us in your club and you're, make, and you're getting your key money over time. And they were like, deal. So that, that's how we that's how we got it. We and we painted it, and then it, and then it became Babylon. I think the timing, Jimmy. That's the timing was pretty good too, right? Because uh, you Babylon started up right when we were going to have to close Ibiza in red, basically, right? It, yeah. It, so we it, we kind of knew. Yeah. They were already warning us. We kind of knew it was going to the shutdown was happening, and then all of a sudden this fell in, fell into our hands. You know. So it was, really well. it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember for for a little while there, there was all three venues running at the, at the same time, for like yeah. a, a like a a short run, but it was a couple of months of that, of all yep. three of them at the same time. And that was like crazy. It was a crazy trying time. To, it was very hectic. Trying to do three clubs at the same time, <laughs> it was just crazy. Too much. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then where, that's where Gandhi's beginnings were, right? 
right at Babylon as a resident? A little after. A little after. A little after. Three. Area 51, I think, right? No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Well, no. You started on Fridays when I used to do the Fridays. As no, but I, I used to was, do, I used to do uh, the divisions for, for Empire in Area 51. Okay. But uh, uh, yeah. that was... But Gandhi used to work pro bono. He never cashed, you know, the checks. He never cashed them. <laughs> I I remember paying in those days. You could pay cash in those days. Uh huh. <laughs> the thing is that I remember, like every, I had all his payments in my in my in 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 the in the. ¿cómo se llama? In the safety in the safety in box in the safety box. And he's like he came like every two months. I have money there, right? <laughs> so so Pablo to finish if you go up and down Louisa Street there's so many people that went out of business you could go to that landlord basically and say listen you have a, a guy renting tomorrow here's what I'm going to do something cool this that whatever you know um, and you can get a place pretty cheap without having to build it out and you can be just creative on, of how you redecorate it but um, when 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 one business leaves, they all, you know, in your contract, you can't take the bar, you can't take a lot of the stuff, you know? So, um, so, so you think it's a good idea to start like looking for places right now with the coronavirus on? I mean, well, you, you start looking now, um, and then obviously you plan it to, to not pay rent or, you know, like you make a deal with the landlord and you say, listen, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in on on May and then give me like three months to redecorate, get my licenses, all the other stuff, and before you know it, you know, hopefully everybody's vaccinated and we're we're all back in business type of thing, you know. But then you know, so many people are gonna go out of business. It's it's just it's a shame what's happening. This whole closure thing is just ridiculous, you know. And I, you know, I feel blessed because obviously I'm in, in a position to start all over again. Um, but all these guys that are bleeding, that don't have all the, the, the same amount of money as me, it's just painful, man. They're just holding on to their life there, you know? Mm -hmm. And I can just remember that being me when we had a hurricane and three weeks, closing for three weeks was so painful. How did these guys survive a whole year, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's sad. I, I, I'm I can get so mad about what's happening right now. And and it, and it, it not not only now it, it's been for the past since two thousand seventeen for from Maria to to the present right from Hurricane yeah. Maria. Yeah, yeah you so most, out for a year. Well, a lot of people. It's been a four year struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. It is. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Also, you have to count the earthquakes and stuff. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's all part of it. Dude. The last couple yeah, of years have been nonstop. Four years have been. Too much of a steep roller coaster, I would say. So before into before into we get how we, we you've been able to manage those changes in the past uh, four or five years. So you had Babylon, and then uh, I mean, if, if you can tell us why why did Babylon change to Brava? <clears throat> it's a funny story. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't because Babylon wasn't making money that we switched to Brava. I, but we had renovated it to try to keep it cool. And every renovation, you know, literally costs between a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars, maybe two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. You know, making it look different, new furniture, new lights, all that other stuff. 
And then with, when you kept the same name, a lot of people would walk in and say, I don't see anything different. You just changed the color or something like that. And it was like, man, we just spent all this money not, not noticing it. Um, wow. And then, the, but, and it was, it's painful to change it because the tourists will know that name, you know, before they even get here, like Babylon. I'm sorry to um, laugh, but I remember you. We, I, when I, you, I worked with Shimi like for 14 years. So we, we I, th I was by, I think three or two remodelings, right? Or, or Brava, or ba, uh, from Babylon Brava. to, from Almadeus to Babylon, to Babylon, to Brava. And in Babylon, you had like, you did some remake, like, yeah, you, know, you, you did some remodeling and you, we put, I remember we used to put, we put, um, uh, in the walls, like the circles, but that was like MDF. It was to make it soundproof, the club for the second remodeling, right? And I remember when we did the opening that you came up to me like furious because you said, nobody has noticed all the money that I put into this club. Nobody said anything about all that we changed in there. Yeah. Wow. That was painful. That so that's why that, so that's why you did you thought about changing everything and put in the name Brava, right? Well, so this is this is what convinced me. So um so you, you, you guys know Wilder Wilmer Valderrama? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So me and him, me and him were at the Hilton at one of Empire's party at the Hilton. And those things always had to end at like one or two in the morning. And then um And Wilmer wanted to hear hip hop. And he's just like, hey, let's go to Babylon, right? And then the girls that were with, you know, they didn't want to go. They're just a Babylon, no, uh, yeah, Babylon, no, Babylon, no, nobody goes to Babylon anymore or whatever like that, something like that. In front of Wilmer, and she didn't, she didn't know I was the owner. And I was sitting there like, oh man. So, and he's like, what? And then, I, and but we, we, when we got there, it was off the chain. He loved it because we were playing hip hop before anybody would dare play hip hop in Puerto Rico. Um, and I'll give you a funny story about that too. Um, but I decided that day I was going to change, I was going to change the name. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I imagine that a, a few times you ran into people that talk shit about one of your uh, venues and you're like, okay. <laughs> you're like, hey. yeah. I mean, there's always somebody that's going to have a bad experience, but you know, love and hate. I think it's important to leave it open and hear exactly what they say. There's going to be some that are haters and there's some people that are kind of right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've always listened to everybody and then I have to like figure out, you know, what decipher what I'm going to listen to or how I'm going to make that day. person, mm -hmm. you know, change their mind about the place and come back. But a lot of the people, you know, are just, they don't go anymore because they're too old. Like, so I don't focus on that 25 or, 28 year old that doesn't go anymore that and you know when you ask them where are you going now they'll say restaurants or you know placita here and there and that's just not my market mm -hmm. if you want a nightclub a high-end nightclub you're going but i'll listen to that person that's in that range of what's cool or not so you know i, I don't live and die by my friends or or whatever i go i go after that new you know, the core who's hanging out in clubs now, that type of thing. College, the college kids and the young professionals, basically. Yeah. yeah. And there's people that just want to dance every weekend or not, you know, uh, and some people that just get into the whole restaurant bar. I don't want to dress up scene, you know? Um, 
but I think, you know, Jorge and, and Leo could attest to this. I was pushing for hip hop, you know, um, and reggaeton before anybody else. And the, the hotels and stuff like that were actually like not wanting us to play any of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, hip hop became mainstream, mainstream. So we could do hip hop, but we could not do any reggaeton. Like it was like, yeah, it was, you remember it was like painful. The sponsors didn't want it. Nobody wanted it. And then I, it, and then in the end, the fight I had with the hotel and, um, and the sponsors basically, or, or the sponsors, I said, you know, anyway, I'm not going to listen to them at the club. That's when we did the special events, we kind of had to listen to them for some, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it was, it was kind of like this. If you wanted to do your quinceanera or your after prom party or whatever at Brava, it cost you a lot of money. So it was like the private schools or a rich quinceanera girl or whatever. And when they did their parties, what did they play all night long? Reggaeton. Perreo, reggaeton all night long. So then that person at 17 or 15, they get to Brava at 18 years old. They're not going to hear what they want to hear. It's like ridiculous. One year later, we're not going to play what they want to hear. And I went to the, the to the hotel. I'm like, if I can't play reggaeton here, then don't play reggaeton at the prom. They're bringing the artists to the prom. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we had a, in the end, we just started playing it a lot, a lot more and stuff like that. And then, you know, I think it, it now is the biggest music genre in the world. And, you know, I, I feel proud of us, or at least me pushing you guys to play it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, and this is interesting, this is an interesting point. Uh, you mentioned the hip hop and the reggaeton. I'll get to the hip hop in a second. The reggaeton thing, in the early stages of when reggaeton started blowing up, the problem that I had as a DJ was that it wasn't always, like right now you play reggaeton to, to really high class and, and, and really good crowd, crowds of people. Before there was a, uh, a, a lot of times if you played too much reggaeton, you'd get a lot of those drug dealers you talked about or like a lot of like, people who come the to the crowd. Club. We're protecting the crowd. You would, you, th- th- we would get a certain level of, and we had these issues a few times at the club where we'd get crowds that would show up that were not necessarily the crowd we wanted. And that's all. Say they it like it is. Say cacos. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I don't know those people personally. I'm just saying they weren't the, the crowd we were looking for necessarily. And uh, the vibe would, you would feel it sometimes back in the day, it was different. You would feel a certain more aggressive vibe, a certain more yeah. like. Oh, and it was an image uh, also. It was also about, uh, it was an aura about, uh, yeah, you could for, play reggaeton, but you can't, yeah. can't you get to, away you wanted, with it. You wanted to nine. portray that top club, ele- like to, to a certain degree, elegant image. Well, so yeah, I mean, that's what that's that's the argument that everybody was saying. It's kind of like you're brava. Why are you going to play that music? It's not like classy. It's not elegant or whatever. But then neither is windows to the walls till the sweat drops down my balls. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but again, yeah, it's true. That, that, that that's true. The thing is, in uh, in 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 the and I know in the states it happens too that if if a club just plays straight hip hop all night they'll get certain crowds also that not necessarily, you know what I'm saying? That's why. Yeah, I, no, I, I mean, we, we balanced it out. I, in the end, you know, I pushed exactly. you guys and you, 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 I let and you we do. back a little and we, we kind of, we kind of found a balance. We found a balance. Yeah. Uh, I remember by the way, that the hip hop thing is interesting is that I think I remember playing the first time I ever played like a full night of just hip hop was a party you used to throw at Saraido back in the day. You, you, you gave, you gave me a, uh, 
like Leo, I think it was like a Thursday night or something. Leo, I'm gonna throw these hip hop parties. I want you to play. That was owned by Julian Hill. And, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, Hill, yeah, yeah. That was Julian would, Hill's like bar. And I would play like uh, R and B and hip hop those nights, and that was all I could play. And the, that was good for me because I learned to play a lot of R and B and hip hop and dance hall, which really served me really well at Bravo late, years later. You know what I mean? When when it started blowing up for real. Um, so you were ahead of the curve on that one for sure. You know, the, the thing was, I, you know, I had a, I was always on a boat on the weekends and back then on the boats, that's all we were playing. So I kind of knew that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, the music wasn't dictating the crowd. It was basically, you know, like we had to, you know, do a better job of, you know, letting in who we want to let in, keeping out who we want to keep out. <laughs> yeah so out of all these guys which one was the one who pushed back the most as far as music in the club <clears throat> okay so <laughs> if, if i had to rate between gandhi leo and jorge <laughs> each had their own style of pushing back gandhi would just talk your ass off like just talk 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 and say but if we did this what what this could happen like just a whole analysis that you use just got fed up and walked so away. The, the famous Gandhi, but what if? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then um, Leo would uh, push back, you know, and, and he would give a good argument to whatever. And then... That's what I do, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I would buy you shots or whatever. I would just uh, play this song or whatever. I don't know. And get it. And then Jorge had his technique. What was your technique, Jorge? What do you mean about pushing back? What What do you mean? So if if Shimmy tells you to play a song and then you kind of disagree, how would you respond to it? How would you? Oh, how, oh. Would you put, how would you push your weight? Leo's Leo's technique was always like, "I'm getting, I'm gonna, I'm going up right now, and I'm about to like switch into like whatever, like transition, it's, it's like, transition, and then transition, transition, and then transition." transition. <laughs> I'm getting to that. I'm I was always just shit. I'm transitioning. 45 minutes later, what for the fuck's a transition? <laughs> so. yeah, maybe I, I remember the only thing about music like that, it was that since I was a DJ also from the beginning, though I used to be the general manager of the club, I always got into the DJ booth like in the peak time of the night. And right I would do, and I would do my set, like a very powerful, <laughs> like 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 party set. Or it, it depends. It was it would be like party music, like in Ibiza, like that, but with the new music. Or I would do like um, like a house, very tribal, like very very pumped up set, like for maybe half an hour. Here, and then I here's would, a good would, question, Leo. How did yes. you feel when Jorge went at the peak of the night? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Cutting out. Wait, I'm curious. How did you feel when Hori would come in the peak of the night when you got the crowd going and then take over the turntables? He used to feel like a very opening DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be honest, I, I, I sometimes I wasn't happy about it. Uh, other times, the thing is, I I have a lot of respect for Jorge as a DJ and I learned a lot from him. Uh, but you know, as everything, the student sometimes becomes the ma the master. And so after a certain point, I was like, Jorge, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. No, no Jorge would come sometimes. And, uh, you know, he usually... So, so in your case, that wasn't the case? Or was it? was 100% the case. It was not the case 
in your case, anybody was that anybody because you never you never got better than anybody here. I'm just saying. Wow. <laughs> that's fair, fair <laughs> argument. Fair argument. <laughs> so anyway, no, no, but uh, yeah, I I, did, I wasn't always thrilled with Jorge. Jorge, Jorge. Once in a while, I'd be like, I have it going my certain way. He comes in and does his own thing. I'm like, God damn it! And but, you know what? Most of the times that I went in was with Chimi walked to me and said, like, Hey, do your power set. Yeah, no, it's it's cool, but at the end of the day, and sometimes you, that's, agree, you sometimes that's you were not like, true. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> you were. <laughs> and, and Jorge, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it, 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 what's it called? It's it's still fun because again, we're still hanging out, and, and I can like, say it. Fifteen years after, I can say it. It's not, that's no no the, big deal about it. You the know, statute like, of limitations is up by now. When Shimi said like, "Hey, go in there and do your thing." Yeah. So Shimi, in the same line, right. in the same line, in the same line. I'm going to mention you a couple of all of, of employees, and I want you to tell me something memorable about them, all right? So I'm going to start, wow. I'm going to start with Astrid Martinez. <clears throat> I mean, that, that woman's indispensable. That, that's like the energizer bunny. She can remember a name, a person, what they like, whatever. She can talk to, I mean, that, that woman was amazing. Amazing. Like, uh, you know. So how about Lidio? Lidio? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I have to tell you, like, I would I would be I wouldn't be anywhere where where I am now if it wasn't for Lidio and, and Astrid. Like the you know they didn't necessarily get along all the time, mm -hmm. but they both did their job well, and uh, served a purpose. And you know, like, hats off to to Astrid. You know, like she just she just moved the amount of people she could move is insane. You know, right. um, and then Lidio keeping us safe for 24 years. You know, you you, you gotta. He, he just knows what he's doing. That guy, that guy will always take the first punch if that punch even connects. Like, and then he wouldn't even get mad or anything. He just like you know, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Oh, and then in two seconds, the guy is like, uh, like yeah, a pretzel. Yeah. You know. In two <laughs> seconds, Polaco comes and throws him. Submit him. Submission. Submission. How about how about Leah? Oh, Leah, geez, <laughs> Leah, um, Leah was always a social bunny too. You know, she did her thing, but you know, I, I, I always remember Leah of like sweetest girl, but then there's always something wrong. <laughs> How's it going, Leah? Oh, my, my, my back hurts. My. <laughs> How about Ricky? Ricky, Ricky's Ricky. Ricky you know. Ricky. He's a presence, you know, like that guy, you know, he could make, you know, that's the first face you see at the door. So if he's in a great mood, everybody was in a great mood. If he wasn't in a great mood, you know, it, you could just feel it when everybody got into the club, you know? And last but not least, Orlin Goble. Well, and what, what do I remember about Orlin? No, no, like uh, Orlin Abdullah. Memorable. Memorable moment that with Orlin Goble, like... I mean, I just remember Orlin's go-to song. <laughs> Which we alluded little to respect, earlier. Little respect. <laughs> yeah. You know, I call him DJ Little Respect now. Just for... Yeah. <laughs> DJ Little Respect. You could, you okay. could just... You could be anywhere in the club and all of a sudden that song goes on. You're like, is that Orlin in the... Orlin is there. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? There's a, another song that used to play a lot. Um, Celebration, was it? No, I don't think so. It, there was another song that he used to like, yeah, he used to play Nelson. You don't remember? Not a Cool and Digan celebration? 
don't remember. I just remember. He had like two songs, like Little Respect and Celebration or something like that, and that's it. It's funny because I only remember Little Respect, honestly. And uh, he played it so often that I, I would, I would, he was it. So the funny thing is, so Jimmy's saying about when Hoda would come to the booth, but I knew when, when Orlin worked with us, uh, when he would be at the club and he would come to the booth, I'd be like, God damn it, he's going to play Little Respect, isn't he? Like, it, it would never fail. It was like, God damn, he's going to play this. It was always the same thing. And that I, I actually did dread <laughs> because after a while, it's like, enough already, enough already. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, he takes it as a joke now. No, no, of course, of course. <laughs> But uh, there was something, I'll tell you something different also. You know, Orlin's a very religious person. So whenever we opened a new venue, he would have the priest, I guess, come and baptize it or, you know, uh, uh -huh. there's a word for it when you when you do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, baptize it, yeah. Yeah, and I just remember, <laughs> I don't, I think it was my mom You know, seeing that, and it's like, does some, does there like an evil spirit in there? <laughs> like, no. Well, there won't be after afterwards, right? That's the whole point, I guess. So now that exactly. we, how about tell me about Leo? Jeez, <laughs> oh, I mean, something we, about Leo. We only have a, we only have a few more minutes left, Paulo. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, tell us about. Uh, no, Leo, I will forever be jealous. I'll forever be jealous because he's got the Mariah Carey picture. Like she, she went to him for all her problems or whatever. And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't at the club that I would, I didn't stay at the club that long because, so I don't know if you know the story. She was like chasing Derek Jeter, but uh, Jeter was like running. Yeah, he was, he was always hanging out at Babylon at the time. And she came looking for him in the club And then he found out, so he went to our other party. And at that other party, I think Sofia Vegata was there, right? Wow. wow. That was in Yeah, it was like, it was like. Really in a Friday in Joy in San Juan? Yes, exactly. You exactly. know what? I know I can, I can finish part of the story. You called me. We, we had the, the, the club was like that night. I think it was on a Friday. And you, you called me and told me like, hey, Um, Mariah Carey. Man, I think you cut out. I didn't get to hear it. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah keep going. Gotcha. I remember that you called me and said, like, hey, Mariah Carey's, oh, the guy, um, I had all these connections with Michael Berrios, the transportation guy. And we, you know, we were in the hotel, everybody knew me. So it was like, hey, I have Mariah Carey and they're coming over. So I think I call you. And you said you that that was a rule from Babylon at the beginning. Like if there's an art uh, an artist that comes here, you call me. Like if there's a wedding and there's like they're all like in tuxedos, they're going for free. You know we had like this this um like um rules or whatever. So I remember calling um Shimi like hey uh, the the people from transportation told me that Mariah Carey is is coming over to the club, and you, I called you. I remember calling you. And you told me, hey, we, we're in um, Old San Juan. What in, year was this? In the party, Joy, I think it, uh, Empire had Neons? a party in Neons. And, and I said, like, oh, bring her over here. And I'm like, so what should I do? And you said, like, how many people are in the club? And I'm like, it's empty. And you're like, close the club and, and bring her over. 
So I'm like, really? Okay. So it was like one in the morning. That was exactly more or less the time that it was, the party in San Juan got very good. So I closed the club and I told the guy, hey, let's meet in San Juan. I remember going in front, like um, open, there, he couldn't put the limousine, like like put it into, put, put, to go into front of the club of Neon. We, we finally got there. And I we I manage everything with I think I call Carlos Cobian or I call you and we enter her through the um service um door of the club in 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 that night. Yeah. There was like you could and, and when you went in there was like that like a circle VIP right there and you were hanging out with um with Mariah Carey when you know we we came straight to that area. Okay, but this hold is ninety nine or two thousand. Because, that, because that's like ninety nine. I know. Yeah. I know this is question, the business question to you, Jimmy. You've been, I see that you've been a lot of years with Jorge. So tell me, what was your most memorable moment with Jorge? I see, I see. <laughs> like you have to have one because it's 15 years working together. So probably you have that moment that you said. No, probably more. But they have to have one that you said, this is the moment. I don't know. You. Hori is pretty like even level. He never, never drank too much. Never whatever. Um, I don't really have like one, uh, like one particular story. I don't know. That's that's a tough one actually. Uh, for, for sure, there's a there's a few. If you actually sit back and think, there's actually there's probably. Oh, we had you know we party a lot and all that, but it was like you know like low down, low, low key like that, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I I can remember. I mean, two significant things was we had one manager. I don't. I'm not going to name him, but you know, the minute that Jorge started, we made two hundred thousand more dollars a year, like net. So you you can get an idea of who that manager, how much that manager was taking from us before Jorge. I know, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah, too. <laughs> so so Jimmy. I want to pivot a second here. Um, oh, really? Because we we DJs we can relate to this. At some point in the in, um, you as a club owner or something, did you stop having fun, or has the whole ride been fun for you? No, I stopped having fun. <laughs> <laughs> it became too much of a business. Yeah, I mean, it. it as soon as. It, I mean, you, you have to manage everything. I'm sure all you guys are going through this. You know, you have to manage your own expectations. You know, any job is going to get boring. Any, any job is going to get tedious. You know, you're in the club all the time and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, um, you just have to say, like, I'd rather be doing this than my old job, you know, that type of stuff. Um, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm enjoying this time off so much. That uh, I don't know, you know, I really don't know. We're back to the stress. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, we're all gonna we're gonna have to find a new team, train new people. They're gonna be young. You're gonna think they know everything. They're gonna be you know millennials, all this stuff. And always, when you hire a new crew, um, you end up firing almost all of them within the first three months. So it's That's it's right. yeah, a painful process, I gotta tell you. Oh, so to it, take you out, out of this club life, tell me about your movie producer life. Oh, I mean that that you saw the movie? I did. 200 pages, right? Two, 200 200 cartas. 
200 letters. Yeah. Boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy tries to find girl and writes 200 letters to every Maria Sanchez to find her in Puerto Rico. And it's it was, um, this guy, um, uh, the Manuel? Manuel. Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's his first movie. That's his first movie. Uh, so that, that movie came to me. How I got in the business is kind of funny. So, um, you know, at the time, you know, Capo Gitas was the number one movie two times in a row, right? <laughs> you can you can knock it, but you know, it's sold, right? And uh, my girlfriend at the time was Maida Matos. And you know, she was trying to get into TV and television, all that stuff. But you know, everybody can criticize and say at the time, you know, movies were were not classy or high quality, you know, the, the local ones and TV the same way, you know, that type of stuff. And I, I'm always that type that says, you know, don't complain, do something about it. And, you know, she kind of said, you know, that's easier said than done. And I was like, okay, I'll make a movie. I'll make a movie that's classy, not a lot of curse words or whatever, all that stuff. And then it's going to be a hit. And I was, I just challenged myself and I went, uh, I went to the film commission. I said, Hey, I want to do a movie. Um, tell me about the tax credits. Tell me what's going, you know, what, what, what we can do. And then she, and then they said, well, the truth is we have three scripts that come with a budget so you don't have to put all the money and um and here's the directors and here's the script and i i looked at the three scripts i, I like the one docientes cartas i met with him it was a three-month relationship of how how you know it's bruno irisari <clears throat> um and uh he talked like a, a director producer it was his first movie. It was scary. Um, but, you know, I asked him every question. He answered that, you know, beautifully. And then we made that movie. And it was a, it's a pretty magical movie for, for, for everything that went wrong during that movie. <laughs> More I remember, I remember. I or less? Como? What was it, Gandhi? More stressful than nightlife or less? The movie industry. So so for him, it was, it was more stressful because he didn't include me. We had the union strike on us, not even, you know, the, the film union. Um, and uh, it, for no reason, you know, we were, we, it didn't have to be a union movie, but they, they, they side, they side uh, swiped us or whatever, you know, and they just strike to get an extra 50,000. Um, <clears> but it was, it was stressful because, you know, Puerto Rico is a beautiful island. And every you 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 shoot when you shoot you have to shoot 23 days straight you know like you you have every day on a schedule every day you go by it, depending on your budget could be twenty thousand in Hollywood could be a million dollars you know so those filming days every day that you miss costs a lot of money so that strike costs a lot of money um, but worse was every day we were filming beach scenes and mountain scenes and the beauty of Puerto Rico, it was raining. So we had to catch the scene in between clouds. So like, you'll see a lot of stuff that, you know, you might think like, Oh, you know, the, the photography or whatever. No, it was just the only five minutes between the rain that we could get some of these shots, you know? Uh, and then like, there was a beach scene in the water at, in, in, in um, Isabella, that didn't and have that, any water. What's that? That didn't have any water. <laughs> exactly. There was a tsunami. No, it was um, so that sunset scene was actually six in the morning because it rained the night before all night that we couldn't get the sunset scene. Wow. And that, that was like 
did you get to meet Luis Raul or or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a friend. He was a friend. Yeah, man, so funny guy. Right? Rest in peace, man. Luis Raul. Yeah, man. Yeah, was, it was a very nice. What year was this? That movie. We filmed that movie in 20, 2012, I think it was. Yeah, and it came out twenty or twenty eleven. It came out twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. I remember it was, you. It was June twenty thirteen. June twenty thirteen. If I don't, if I don't remember. I remember you did. Um, I was working with with touring in those years, and you invited me to for the premiere. And you did it in Plaza Las Americas, and you had this red carpet. And I really loved the the movie. It was very very nice. Thank you. And you know, so the controversy also was I I wanted so we didn't have a lot of money to advertise, and we didn't have a lot of money to pay the actors, right? So Jaime Camille, who's an established great actor, mm -hmm. he did it for SAG rate. Um, Lynn Manuel did it for SAG, and he had, he'd already had that successful in the Heights Broadway play, and then Dianata uh, read for it. You know, there was a few people that read for that part. Someone else had it, and I brought her in last minute, and I said, "Bruno, it's my friend, but um, and if you can if you can make her work, great. If you can't, I trust your opinion." But you know she gets a lot of press here, so if if you can get if you can work it out with her and make it work, I tell you, you know, I I can I can turn around the market. We can get a, you know, our marketing dollar worth with her in it, and she did a great job. I thought she I thought that was her best movie yet. You also have Iris Chacon in the crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We tried to pull out like <laughs> little cameos with everybody, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was, it was, it was a cool movie. It was a. It was a very. It was a funny movie. I loved it. Romantic I'll, comedy. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. When I, I I went into it with with you know it was measured expectations, right? Because I was like, you know, it's low budget, blah, blah blah. And you you told me, Leo, you have to see my movie, right? And then yeah. you actually, I remember you offered me. You said you said I'll even pay for it. You go and whatever. So I ended up going. And I and I, I sent you a picture with like the the popcorn and the things and the tickets. And then yeah. the next time I saw you, you gave me 20 bucks. But anyway, and I, I would have paid. <laughs> I did. It. it was funny. But uh, I actually and, would have seen. I would have took it. it. I did take it. I did. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> you you know you you weren't that easy to get money from. Anyway, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> but the point is, uh, I actually really really enjoyed it. It was really fun. Uh, Thank you. Like one of the better low, like you know, one of the better. Puerto Rican made movies uh, right. that I've ever seen. It currently has a 7.0 out of 10 on IMDb. And for a low that's, budget, that's, film, great. That's, that's, a great, that's a great It's rating. fantastic. It's fantastic. And I, I think, uh, uh, what was the name of the actor you said? The, the guy who plays Lin Manuel's friend? He was so great in that. That guy is so funny. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. He stole that movie. I was, uh, he was like the best part. And Lin Manuel was, was good too, but you could tell he wasn't. I think his acting, you know, I mean, maybe for filming, like whatever. Uh, like he's obviously a brilliant stage person and, and writer and performer. And the movie, but his was, character, I, I, his yeah. character was the straight guy, like the serious straight guy. That was his character, yeah, and then exactly. Jaime was the goof, you know. And it was so good, though. Yeah, oh. but it worked really well. By the way, so what's what's I think Pablo's probably going to go to this. What what's what is what, when is your next film project? What's going on? Exactly. Still... Now that we're in the pandemic and that you have all this free time, making a movie now or a series will be a little bit more easier, I guess. So, what's your next movie project soon or if you have a if you have any. <laughs> so, I mean, um 
So I'm an associate producer on Yerba Buena. I don't know if you saw that. Um, that's really a funny, good movie. That was that was um, with um, Carla Monroy, you know, uh, Tommy's wife. <clears throat> um, she did a great job. But I, I would, that at the beginning of the pandemic. So that was that came out at the beginning of the pandemic. It was the number one selling movie, and then it just whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> and <clears throat> that was like after Maria the 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 script. So there's some funny stuff that you can relate to from from Maria. <clears throat> and then we there's a TV series by Jesse Torero called Bravas. You know about four girls who who work in Brava. Uh, Weeson plays me. Like the the we see, we see from we see Yandel, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, no, he he plays the owner's son, right, or something. Yeah, I'd rather say he plays me than that guy that that's the real. But <laughs> <laughs> it this this is out. This came out already. Yeah, yeah. It's on YouTube. It's it's free on YouTube. Oh, nice! I have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you got you got Nadia Natasha in there. You got like a lot of. Uh, You know, Liano plays. Uh, I think one of the leads. So you know. So so, how do you feel name dropping all these um, new <laughs> trap artists? Like they're your friends and shit like that. That's, that's, that's just my life, man. It's just like people that, <laughs> like name dropping. You know, like you know. <laughs> Wait, Jimmy, Jimmy, I, I you you want you want to name drop and you want to. Uh, Jimmy's gonna love this story. Jimmy, this is like shows uh, the 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 extent of his pull and. Uh, The height of his powers. I remember <laughs> the the night we had. I think uh, Nick Cannon DJ at the club, and all these celebrities came out who were here, and we had Nick Lachey at the time and whatever. And then we had Michael Buffer. So Michael Buffer, the guy who does the Let's Get Ready to Rumble, who who gets paid what was it a million dollars every time he says this phrase? Oh yeah. Oh, if he if he gets on the microphone at a fight, he's like. For the millions around the world, he gets paid big money for that. Exactly. For and, and what happened? And what happened? In my pocket right now. Hold on. And what happened at prime time? If you want to tell the story, you go right ahead. But that was probably one of the most epic moments at the club that I ever had. Yeah. So, so we. So this is what happened. So we had a table. We had like table one, with Nick Cannon, and he's he was dating that Victoria's Secret model at the time. And then Michael Buffer was at, just left a fight, I guess, in Choli or, I mean, um, I think Roberto Clemente. And he came and he was at the table. Michelle Rodriguez was there. Uh, we're all just like having fun. And then it was, it was my publicist's uh, birthday. And they said, hey, man, Michael, could you just say that? He's like, listen, no, I, I get paid a lot of money to do this. I, you know, I just don't do that or whatever. So... <laughs> This is so wrong, but we did it. And I think Leo was a part of it. So basically, uh, I don't know who was on the microphone first. I don't know if it was Nick or, or Leo or Nick. something. Or maybe Heido. Maybe Heido. No, I, I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure it was, it was, it was Nick. It was Nick on the mic. So Nick, so Nick didn't know that Michael wasn't going to say it, but we didn't tell Nick. So we were like, Nick, as soon as you finish, give the microphone to uh, to. Uh, Mike and he's gonna do the let's get ready to rumble thing, right? And so Nick's like this, like this, gives him the microphone, and then the spotlights on uh, Michael Buffer and all this other shit, and he's just like <laughs> grabs it and does it. And he did the, the like a oh my god, it was fucking, it was one of those goosebumps moments. I swear to God, it was like because you, 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 you're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to 
dig to see if there's like a video or something of it. Exactly. I there's wish. no you didn't record it, right? Nah, yeah. that, those were not those weren't the Facebook days. Oh man, yeah. this is a long time ago. But that I I still like just thinking about it, I get goosebumps because that was it was so so much energy. It was so everybody was going. It would have been insane. amazing if you could have sampled it. Ooh. The club yeah, went but, insane. Yeah, but, when, hey, you could be sued by Michael Buffer, and that would be no, a whole. When that guy look, when that guy got on the microphone, and you hear his voice, everybody knows that voice, and the club just went ape shit. It was ridiculous. It was so good. Also, yeah. that's where the word ape shit comes from. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know, but you know what's funny? Because like that's that's just one example. But there were, I mean, so if you want to go in this direction, Jimmy loves this because he gets to he gets to show off. Uh, Favorite celebrity encounters, Jimmy. Uh, I was, yeah, I was gonna ask that, but yeah. Well, then I stole um, your thunder. I mean, because there's a I ton mean, of them. I mean, you have so much to, to to pick from. I mean, obviously Jay and Beyonce. You know. <laughs> you know what? You know what's fucked up? You know what's fucked up? I remember that day they came in. I I worked to we we got them in through the like the side door of the club. And they, they were with Christina, Christina Ali or something like that. He was a hip hop singer in that time that was huge. Christina Milian? Christina Milian, yeah. That that girl. She was like a yeah. short. Yeah, was, yeah. And they were all to the greenhouse in the second floor. And we got them what they wanted, but they they left like quick. They they were there like for she half. Wanted, she wanted salsa. I, so Beyonce went to me and said, you don't, you don't play no salsa? Like, like, like right next to me, right? You know, like, and I was like, wow, her breath is so good. Did she just eat a mint or something? <laughs> that's a good, that's oh, Jimmy, a good one. Um, but question. I was like, no, we don't have to. So Jimmy, you've, you've done movies, uh, clubs, uh, restaurants. Events. Yeah. You've, you've done pretty much everything. So wh why is it? Is there like a, like an ambition or a drive to have all these clubs and venues? Because a, a lot of times you had, a lot of this stuff going on at the same time. I mean, I, so at one point in my life, I just loved it. I lived for it. I live, you know, live for that club energy and all that stuff, you know? Um, I still like it, you know, like you have, I, I don't like doing restaurants. I know that. So I, you know, like don't count on me doing a, a I, I have one restaurant concept I'm, I'm probably going to do, um, but I'm not going to be the one doing the day to day. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, there's something about that club energy that's just like so cool when you do it right. Um, so, um, but I needed this, it was a, this COVID thing was a, a, like a nice needed break, you know, to relax. And I think probably uh, I'll get back into it and, and go really hard the next time around, or I won't do it. And, and, you know, I'm debating it, to be honest with you at this moment. How many clubs did you own? At a, at, a, at a point <clears throat> at the same time or over my 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 lifetime at, at, i mean I, at I, I, since we we're speaking about the, the drive and and all that uh ambition how at, running at the same time i'm, I'm at guessing time, yeah. at the same time i think the most i had was three mm -hmm. it would be uh brava ibiza red and area 51 didn't i don't think coincided oh, it came a year no. later but, but then was i think mix open was say mix you had, you had, then you had some mix right yeah no, no. but the, that's not a club though that wouldn't no be no but club. it's still four, no, four but, but as, far it's, as far as venue it, as far as i'm i'm, I'm as far as a venue you <coughs> so it would have been four then yeah that would have been four then pier 10 came in somewhere in there 
And I think those mixed powers, those mixed power, mixed show power summits were pretty impressive. You know, um, I think you don't remember those. I remember the fights. Yeah, that you had. <laughs> I remember teams. Fifty Cent and Eminem. Uh, they won. And I remember uh, a pure ten. I remember JC singing in Chimi Chimi birthday. So the only clubs you didn't yeah. own, because because all the clubs you're saying, the beer I've been song, to. right? That, that was but, the beer song. The beer song. But the but the only clubs the only clubs you didn't own were Laser, Hollywood. Those those clubs you didn't you never had. <laughs> Egypt, <laughs> Asylum. No, nothing else. Scratch. Well, no, I. I have a question for you. From all of those clubs and restaurants and you know, Nelson, by the way, Nelson woke up right now. Uh, <laughs> was here all the time. He, was the, now. he was below you all the time. No, no, no. Um, from all of those um Cafe Atlantico, Ibiza Red, from all of those places, even Brava or whatever, which one was for you the you know like the dream come true? You know, I, I know all of them got their magic. And where happened? Uh, where different wow. spaces of your life, but I would I would probably say Brava. Brava is the one that I'm most fond of. You know, probably you know the, you know remember when we did Ibiza and Red, we didn't make money. It was fun, but we just didn't make money. And every day, you know, there was the reality of of you know why do we have so many people, so many sales, and we're not, and we owe more money. You know. Um, but yeah, Bravo would be probably the, the one because it just was so better organized and iconic, you know. Yeah. And the rest of the year was so good. We, I think Bravo was uh, 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 the first one. The first so one. The thing yeah, is, the first I, one. I think it was because also it was, we, we, it, it was part of a team also, you know, we, we, we weren't, I think in the company, I, I feel the privilege that I could have. You of all the managers, I had most of your attention all the time because I used to work hand in you know hand to hand, hand in hand, whatever how you say it. And hand, 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 hand to hand. Hand to hand. Okay. Mano a mano. So I remember, you know, like all, all the others, you know, I, I think that some of these managers got jealous after. A little bit because I used to always have like oh you always have team extension. I used to from when I started being a manager. I remember that year, you I started working like shift as a bar manager, and then because I was like not competing, I was working with Rafi Martinez, but Rafi Martinez didn't know English, and he yeah. he, he was scared of talking to you, so. I became the manager. I, I did a downgrade because I used to earn more as a DJ, but it was a good downgrade because we did like, that's when the, we started mounting like the, the, the good, you know, like the team, like the management team. That's where we started doing the inventory. We all learned about doing the inventory. Um, and it, you know, that's where the money started showing. So I think it was, a, that's why in, in the other places were more, more like some mix was cool, but you know, it's yeah, uh, like when you got the right people together and everything was cohesive, then the money started coming in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you were you were talking about uh, how 
some of the like the original club goers grew up and grew out of the club scene and then that you didn't want to go into the restaurant scene because that was your 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 uh your interest Cup of tea. and then obviously with all that comes uh generational changes like the, the group of people that come in and uh come and go from the club so how has it all changed in the past let's say 10 years the whole club scene <clears throat> so it you know i think we we managed the changes pretty well but i think after maria you know it, it there was a such a cultural shift in puerto rico and the tourists you know and then you're closed for a whole year um you know it, people i just noticed immediately that people didn't dress up anymore after maria they're just people just really aren't dressing up um they used to go to like placita style like that like very very tropical like like casual So, you know, and, but we were always, always the place where people would go to dress up and get pretty and stuff like that. So that's something that, you know, like this time around, we have to really manage it um, and allow like urban, urban wear has become more of a fashion, you know, so we, you know, allowing that too. Um, um, but, and then you know, um, the hardest thing is, you know, I, I don't like, I don't love social media, but that's just a, a essential part of uh, that's right of, of everything. And you know, it's it's, it's so I'm that it's hard for me to like, you know, it's pain. It's you know, like to show my life or personal things in my life and stuff like that, which is what people want to see. You know, I I have trouble doing that. Like, I just want to do funny stuff. Or if something, if I'm going to some place that's so freaking cool, I forget to. I forget to put it on social media because I'm like into the whole place, you know. So you can counter you know, someone like, that, that like I manage that though. <laughs> no, I mean like I'll go to some really cool parties or events and stuff like that, and then after I was like, oh shoot, I should have recorded this or that, or and I have nothing to show for it, just my memory. You know? That's that, what I mean. That just like, have, you can contract someone like to manage that, like to manage that part of your life, like your social media. I mean, you are not. You no. are, we're not talking up with 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 some stranger you are chimmy the one that brought what the the discotheque are in Puerto Rico today everyone's know who chimmy is even I like I was working for you you don't even know that I work for you so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a privilege just to say that I did work in Brava for you you know and uh yeah but some I, people I, some people are just not social media people no but also I think I think there's something to be there's a, a lot of value there where chimmy is what you're saying is you're actually being mindful of your experiences you're actually enjoying your the things you're doing you're there at a cool party and you're not on social media because you're enjoying the actual thing you're mm -hmm. there which is which is which has been a problem for which is social media has been a problem for nightclubs in general and for nightlife in general because people are so obsessed with sharing that they're not right. actually partying that they're no, not actually that's being true. people go some, sometimes people go to concerts and events and they're all the time uh taping it so i don't feel they're enjoying it they're just posting it So it, I mean, it's, you, you, you'll be on the dance floor tables with a group of girls and all they're doing is this, you know, like this literally. all day long. And you're wondering literally. if they're having fun literally. and, you know, they, they, they never did anything, but, but I, that. I feel like you can do that, but let's say two minutes, but you can't do that for a whole hour. That's when it gets kind of like maybe at the beginning and then halfway. No, I've seen girls do it all night long. No, no, I, I, I know yeah. Jimmy. I've seen we it. know, we know, we know. <laughs> so, so, Jimmy, now that you said about restaurants, we know who, okay, let me put it this way. 
who talked to you about opening Chimis restaurant in the in San Juan that I think that was not a good idea. Paseo Caribe. Paseo Caribe, yeah. Who talked who talked yeah. to you about that? Like why? I mean, they made me maybe an offer, the the landlords at that time. Um the place was beautiful and it's pre pretty much already done. But so let me tell you what the, the whole what the whole miss that happened. Um so like it was going to be a sports betting bar. So we had, you know, we uh Shea Julio was working to 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 get that law passed. The law passed, but still the regulations haven't passed. But we were going to you know, have a really sexy bar with high rollers, beautiful waitresses, all this stuff. And you would be books. betting on sports. And um, it would be like this guy's type of place, you know, something really cool. And sports betting is very lucrative. But, you know, the the law, what what we thought was going to get passed in three months and we would have the, the thing, you're talking two or three years later and it still hasn't hasn't come to fruition. It's still, in the, it's still pending. Still pending. They, they che, che Julio moves, right? I don't know. I don't know. So, Jimmy, um, uh, yep. we're, we're going to start wrapping this up, but we have a couple of more questions for you. And one of them I want to ask you is you've traveled quite a bit, right? You've been fortunate yep. as a successful businessman, entrepreneur, to be able to travel around the world. What are your like favorite places? I mean, obviously, besides, you, know, you can mention Puerto Rico if you want, but like favorite places to, to travel to, uh, vacation. One of your some more some of your exotic locales maybe. <laughs> I or, love I love the Dominican Republic. I I just love it. You know I think the people are great. Um, you know they they really they do the I mean X Men can tell you they do the restaurants well they do the food well. Uh, you know like everybody's buying bottles and enjoying the I, I find the people really classy. You know the that whole. Le, you know, upper class of, of Dominican Republic. Jimmy, that now that uh -huh. you mentioned Dominican Republic, you never thought of venturing into that market? No. That's my place to go for fun, and I'm never going <laughs> to open a business Keep, it, keep it that way. Keep it that way. So, you know, you know, you know. It's better to be a big it's fish. It's one thing to be ambitious, and one thing to be overly ambitious. He, he's a big fish in a little pond. Leave it like that. Another question that I have for you. I do remember that you have a bulletproof car. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so in that in that line, I know it, it was fun because I, I, I even I used to drive it. I drive it. So <laughs> let me put it that way. I drive you to a place. I don't want to talk about that, but <laughs> the thing is, what's your favorite car? What's the what? Your, your favorite, favorite car. car. Favorite car. Uh, I think it, we cut out. What's, what's your, your favorite car? What's your favorite car? <laughs> Automobile. Yeah. So you know, like uh, the fav my favorite car is the car I have now. Um, to be honest, you with have you. the Mercedes with the bulletproof. <laughs> no, mm -hmm. I, I have a Maserati now. To be honest with you, right. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, the the way I got it was by was you know I didn't I wasn't thinking about getting that car. To be honest with you. Um, so where Shimmy's was, the sports bars across from Vicente's place, that exotic car dealership. Mm -hmm. And then we were at an event and it was like an all day event. And I walk over and Vicente is like, Hey, can you help me move some cars or whatever? 
And I was like, you're not going to get me to buy a car, but sure, I'll, I'll, I'll move the car for you, right? And then I started up and it goes, oh, like whatever. And I was like, whoa. And he's like, yeah, you like that, right? I was like, I'm not going to buy this car. He's like, no, I'm going to get you financing, whatever, as a percentage. I'm not going to buy that car. I'm just telling you, it's not my style. You know, I'm not like that showy or whatever. He's like, yeah, don't worry. Don't worry about it. You know, cool. He's like, and then, uh, and I was like, so where do you want me to park the car? He's like, park it at your house. <laughs> Take it home for the weekend, he said, basically. The way so, to sell you the car. Yeah, I know, I know. He so did I was it. like, you know what? I'll take it home for the weekend. Yeah, okay. And the weekend turned to a week. He had me in that car for two months. <laughs> two months. He forgot or something. He got caught up. He's like, dude, you're going to buy the car or whatever? And I was like, you know, yeah, maybe. But, you know, I don't know. He's like, yeah, keep thinking about it. Dude, I'm telling you, like two and a half months. And then by the time he called me, I was, he was like, oh, dude, I need the car back. I think somebody wants it. I was like, but nope. the car loves me now. I mean, <laughs> we're like friends. You yeah. can't take her away. So basically it was like, it was like taking a puppy and you don't want to give it back. You want to yeah. be the foster and. It, I mean, that's the nicest car I had. And I, you know, like it's one of those things that you're like, you know, you know, I, at this point in my life, I don't want a girl to like me because I own a club or anything like that, or I have a nice car or this or that. But boy, is it easy to get a girl in a Maserati because <laughs> you drive down the street and but, you, you ask for directions and they're like, oh, you can just go here. Can we come with you? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, but it's a, it's a sports car or something like that? Or is it like a four door? I got, the, I got the SUV. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, That's Jimmy, to uh, to wrap it up, what are your your plans post COVID when everything is you know up for business again? So, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little background. I'm not, I can't give details right mm -hmm. now, but it, if if I have something, a multi venue idea here that I hope goes through. So, Foxwood Casinos is coming to is going to open up in the El San Juan Hotel, and I help I help facilitate that deal. Foxwood. You know, it's probably one of the most successful Indian-run casinos in the Tri-State area. So um, you're going to see the hotel get a, a huge kick. Um, but, you know, this time around, if I build a team and stuff, I want to do it bigger. So I'd like to have a few venues um, if, I, if I'm going to do one. And that's, that, that's where I'll leave it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know... Yeah, so for Puerto Rico, that's pretty much. Uh, so she'll be coming back bigger, better, and stronger. Yeah, if I come back, there's a chance that I won't yeah. come back. So put, put it <laughs> that's too good right now. Right? There's a chance you'll see Uber Maserati. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a, it's an easy job. I do Uber here. I do Uber Eats here in Orlando, and it's hey, easy money, easy money, no I stress. Think, I think, you choose your own hours. I think I talk about for from all of us that if I think if you ever need one of us, we are here for you. We'll always be here for yes, you. Sir. Like, like, thank you, thank you. We always got your back, Jorge, even though you yeah, don't know us. Jorge, <laughs> Jorge said he was willing to dust off his suit and everything to go back to the the, the club managing scene. Nelson said he was going to put his nice. Yeah, dust them. Too. I had to throw them out because they were full of roaches already. <laughs> Nelson said he was going to dust off the old uh, LPs and everything. He, like, 
everybody's going back into the club scene for sure. <laughs> but put an asterisk to it. Hopefully. Yeah. Jimmy, so, but by by April, if 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 uh, if things if the stars align, I'll uh, I'll I'll come back and let everybody know through your podcast. I appreciate it. I really do. So again, we appreciate you uh, taking your time and the disposition to uh, talk to us today. I know you're a you're a fairly busy man, so we appreciate the time. Uh, I want to uh, thank Jorge, Pablo, Gandhi, Nelson, and Leo. Uh, well, I, I, I'm getting poor, so I mean, I'm not busy anymore. If you want to ask me more questions, so you're like, so you're sleeping late tomorrow, <laughs> dude. I, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> no, but personally, for me, Chimmy, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm glad I got to finally meet the man. Um, thank you. Seriously, for me, it's such an honor. You don't know like how much this means to me because you asked me, we were bartenders and you are like a sample to follow for me. So thank you for being this and let me, uh, let me know about you, you know? The man, the legend. The man, <laughs> the, man the legend. Jamie McHugh, everybody. Thanks for listening thank to Behind the Entertainment. We will see you on the next one. Thank you. Estás escuchando Behind the Entertainment.